Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Folks, uh, we got a little corrections corner from last week. You know, when you're wrong, you're wrong, and sometimes you got to fess up to it. Um, in regards to Fran's story from last week, Dana Sue Gray, uh, debt is not passed on when you die. Okay. I'd assume that, but... Uh, she she fully let us know that when you die, if it's not a property loan, mm-hmm. like a car or a house, mm-hmm. then I don't know where it goes. still don't know where it goes, but it's not the next, next of, of kin, kin responsibility. Property, no? No. Well, property, property no. Yeah. If it's not. If, if it's, it's not the, oh, property, if it's not, or, oh, okay. if it's not a property loan. Okay. Anything else, be like, he owed me $500. Oh, you can't okay. come to the funeral. Like a Macy's truck. credit card. No, like Macy's can go kick rocks. <laughs> like, Sorry, she did. You know, you're not going to get that money. Right. It's, it's just not, don't come to me for that. Uh-huh. So if it's not a property uh, loan, that you then, you know, inqu- acquire from a lost one like a car or a house, mm-hmm. then that that uh, debt doesn't get passed okay. on. Okay. So I just wanted to make right. a correction of that. Other than that, you know, I don't. That's nothing really else to. That'd have been fucked up anyway, yeah, but for sure, you know. But other than that, from last week, there's not really much else to talk about. So you know, we'll just move on. Obviously, that was a joke, folks. Um, <laughs> it, it was a very interesting week uh, yeah. on the Facebook group, mm-hmm. social media in general. We we uh, had a lot of interesting conversations about some stuff that we said last week. Um, it was humbling. I learned a lot in this last week about words and having conversations when you're not informed. And uh, we got a lot of... Um, links to things that help me expand my knowledge on the situation of sexual assault in this country and the struggles that women have had in this country for a very long time and continue to have, as we've seen in the news. I don't even want to touch on it too much and make this too gloomy, um, but we all know what happened, how that Brett Kavanaugh situation turned out. Um, I 
uh, want to apologize to not only the listeners, but I want to apologize to Fran because I threw a topic your way that you you had no real deep knowledge on, mm-hmm. and we kind of had a, bar- a barbershop conversation about something pretty serious, neither of us being incredibly informed on it. And uh, I didn't mean, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to go into a, a, a direction. I didn't know it was going to go into that direction because I thought we both kind of, I, I, I overestimated both of our knowledge on the situation mm. and it went somewhere that offended some people and that was never meant to be the case. And so I just wanted to address that. What I will say though, is the conversation that is sparked and the the information that was given to us because people can say that you know this conversation has been had forever and we should know and all this kind of stuff but we all have our implicit biases you know mm-hmm. like we all have our implicit biases that just based on how we were shaped in life there's things that we just kind of assume we know about so we don't need to do deep research on mm-hmm. and i just was a person that i'm like yeah man rape is bad i'm team women fist up you know like i got your back but it's not a subject that affects me tremendously, so I never did a deep dive on the information. Mm. And I would, I would, I would assume you're the same way. It's like, of course, we are like, don't treat women like shit. We mm. both have mothers, you know. All that's you have a daughter, you know. Like, don't hurt women. Mm-hmm. But when it came to those little um, nuance things like sexual assault and 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 what is and what isn't consent and what, you know, rape culture. We, we I don't know. You mm-hmm. know, I, I thought I knew a little bit, but this week showed me that I didn't know nearly as much as I thought I knew. And, um, but the beautiful thing about this kind of crazy situation is it was a learning experience. And, um, I, I, I feel like we both took the opportunity to read what you guys said. Some, a lot of you shared some really personal, you know, uh, dark and touching stories of your own, you know, experiences with sexual assault that were incredibly humbling to me and really opened up my perspective about how common this shit is. Cause our Facebook community isn't a huge group. So for the number of women to be like, this happened to me in such a small pool of people is, is really eye opening because if you blow that up onto a larger scale, it really makes you realize, you know, what, what, how serious this is. Not that I didn't know it was serious, but there's a difference between me going, well, I know dudes are dicks and they go around grabbing girls' asses and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And that's not cool. That's gross. And then knowing like, oh no, women are full, like full on sexually assaulted mm-hmm. more often than I even thought, even though I knew it was prevalent worldwide to know like, oh, that's super, super common. Like mm-hmm. one in six crazy numbers like that where it's like oh wow that's 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 really eye-opening because i was just i was operating on the assumption of just like fuck boy energy mm-hmm. like oh yeah man women got to deal with guys coming up to them in the club asking them to buy them the drink then you don't give them the drink they call you an ugly bitch mm-hmm. fuck those guys you know and i'm like but i'm team women because i'm i'd hit that guy in the mouth and that's me thinking i'm an ally when really i'm just a guy who's uninformed and i want to be an ally but you're not truly an ally unless you can fully defend that person or that group with knowledge and 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 and, and self-realization about your own shortcomings mm-hmm. so I, I think that we both took this week and um took the backlash from the things that we said and we learned and i encourage other people 
to do the same. Because there's a lot of you people out there that think that you're allies to colored people, uh, allies to LGBT LGBT people, and you think that you're an ally because you don't like when people call gay people the F word or you don't, when you hear somebody disrespecting black people, you get upset. But really, if somebody sat you down and really asked you some deep questions about what's going on in the black community, you don't really know. You know, so we all can get exposed in those little ways. We all have our little you know, assumptions about people that we know to be true, even though they might not be mm-hmm. true. It, we are, we are, we're all a little wrong, you know? But as you, when you said that, it's like you can't be, I mean, some people have personal experiences that some don't. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I can understand that some people that got mad at, I guess what I said, or, you know, the whole conversation we had. But then again, me on that situation, sometimes, you know, some people are just ignorant to certain situations. And Absolutely. Then you can't, you can't. I'm not gonna say you can't go off on them. Yeah, but I mean, you can make your point. And that's and that's and I think that that's majority what happened. Right. But it was just wrapped in passion. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. how it came across, things that we both said, mm-hmm. how they how they came across, came across kind of dismissive mm-hmm. and like we know. Right. Even right. though we we don't. Right. You know, to say to say that something is your opinion when it's based off of something that can be looked up mm-hmm. is dangerous. Cause I, it's my opinion that, uh, you know, I think the Goonies is better than stand by me. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not my opinion that, you know, when you stab somebody, it's a murder. You know what I mean? Like right. that, that's not an opinion. That's, that's the thing you can look up. The OJ case is not an opinion case. Mm-hmm. You look it up and there's facts there to be had, right. you know? So, but because neither of us, Again, it's that thing of you you feel like you're like, yeah, no, nah, man, we're team women. Mm-hmm. But then you get asked a question like that and you're like, oh, no, nah, man, I, I don't believe that or whatever. It's like that show that that's your that's your privilege showing of you being like, well, I'm not a woman, so I don't need to know the statistics or the you, facts because they don't affect me either you, way. You mean it's like if that is that situation being like subjective, you mean like, yeah, OK, but. It it was a situation where it wasn't. I don't think it was as subjective as you thought it was. Okay. I think that in regards to the Cosby thing, because uh-huh. I think I think we were both pretty clear as as far as the Kavanaugh thing. But with the Bill Cosby thing, the comment that you made was in a way that it was like, uh, well, you know, that's just that's how I see it, mm-hmm. and it was it was more complicated than that, and so it came off like, well, that's just how I see the situation, and how I see it is how I see it, so whatever, and. It, uh, I think people took it a took it a away, yeah, for sure. But we're not gonna dive back into that. What I will say is back to what I was saying to wrap things up about us all kind of um having our own implicit biases and, and things that we know to be true, even though they aren't. Because there's a lot of people like that out here. And one of the examples that I wanted to bring up, not to throw anybody under the bus, but when I saw this, I was like, man, that, there's another person. With a platform, our platform is incredibly small, not as small as this person that I'm about to talk about really quick, but um, when you get on these microphones and you say stuff that goes out to people, you really have to be careful with the messages that you put out there because people hear this and they take it away. And I'm not a person that's going to ever watch what I say um, because I want to present some kind of image because I think that what me and you do best is we just keep it real and Mm -hmm. we tell it like how we see it. But what I will try to never do again is take a deep dive on a subject that I don't know I don't know about mm-hmm. because that's not productive. So um, 
If I don't if I don't know about it enough, I'm not going to have a 10 minute conversation about it because then I'm just spewing out things that might not be true, aren't based in fact, aren't research. I don't know. And even though we're a fact free zone, we're not we're not on here to just straight up tell falsehoods. So but anyway, my point is over the weekend, Bette Midler in the midst of this whole Bette Midler is the star of Hocus Pocus. Uh, we've all seen Hocus Pocus at least 40 times in our life. It's three witches and the cat and Zachary Banks and all this kind of stuff. She's the star of Bette, you know, and other stuff. Bette Midler's a huge star singing and stuff like that. So Bette Midler said that she tweeted that women are the N word of the world. So that that's the take that right. And put that aside because mm-hmm. after that, she said some really true things, but that's what she capped it off with at the top of the tweet. She said, raped, beaten, enslaved, married off, worked like dumb animals, denied education and inheritance, enduring the pain and danger of childbirth and life in silence for thousands of years. They are the most disrespected creatures on earth. Now, she could have just said women, she could have just said that and it would have been a profound tweet. What I don't like is you dismissing an entire group of people in order to big up or to bring light to your cause. Right. Because that's not cool to uh, shoot down one struggle to to up your own people's struggle. Also, I had a problem with it because if women are the N-word of the world, then what are black women? Yeah. Because black women are both. Right. So it was just a very dismissed... But that was her That was her getting on her soapbox like we did last week. Like, let me tell you how I see it. And mm-hmm. this is da-da-da-da-da. She thought she was bringing heat when she said that. Yeah, but to the African-American community... Reading that first part, it's already nothing else after what you yep. just said. It doesn't matter because yep. it's it's not. Yep. You guys are exactly. persecuted. Black people are persecuted. We don't have to uh, go. Huh. Black people, we're worse off than the Jewish people. It, it doesn't have to be that way. Yep. We can all, you know, get communal and 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 work with each other to help each other struggle. Don't don't downplay somebody else's struggle to big up yourself. Mm-hmm. So I had a I took issue with that. Until, and I was about to, you know, because I run the Twitter account, so I was about to quote tweet it, what, man, if you don't, you know, and and, and go in and, and make jokes and all this kind of stuff. But then I had to remember last week mm-hmm. where it's like sometimes you just get caught out there and you want to make a stance, but it's, you don't, you say the wrong thing mm-hmm. or you say it in a way that's uninformed or you say it in a way that is, uh, seems like it's attacking another group of people. And that's what Bette Midler did. She, she had all, this, this, this tweet was meant all good, all just to be like, bring attention to the struggle of women in this country and around the world. And then she wanted to make a metaphor out of it and say, or, or a simile and, and, and be poetic and say they are the, and I don't even understand not to continue to throw her under the bus, uh, but like, I don't know what the women are, the N word of the word. Did she want to say nigger? Like, I don't, under- oh, no. I don't understand. I just didn't, I, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. And she definitely caught backlash for it. Ended up deleting the tweet and apologized for mm-hmm. it, you know, but it's too late after that. Yeah. Especially it, something like that. Yeah. It was just, it was weird. Yeah. It was weird. And I, and I wouldn't categorize what we did last week as like, you know, hateful or aggressive. It was, it was, I would also categorize what we did last week as weird. It was just, we kind of started to go down this rabbit hole that we didn't have the information to go down and then we were deep in it. And then we tried to, you know, work our way out of it. And it, it did, it, the conversation just didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. And that's partially because, you know, we're two men having a conversation about women and that's what's going on in this country right now. You got a, you know, you got Congress, you got the president, you got 
all these societies of people making decisions about women with no women in the room. And so we kind of, you know, put ourselves on display as that. And I want to say in our defense before we move on is that I know that a lot of people got offended, but we're two of the like, we're two of the good guys, good men having that conversation. Whereas I've been at work this whole month or it's October now, but I've been at work all of the last couple of months with blue collar men because, you know, as you know, you know, you know what I do, Frank. And, you know, I don't I don't know. Come on, man. You have various things you do. I don't know what you do. Come on. We're not going to go into this, man. You know, you dropped me off that one time, man. You know. An alley? It wasn't an alley. It was an entryway to my work site. It was dark, man. So all I remember is being in the alley. <sighs> you something else, man. We're going to move on. <laughs> you, but Fran knows what I do for a living. No, and at not. my job. No, I don't. At my job, there were some very toxic conversations being had with gangs of men liar and money and all of those things being thrown around as if it was they were a hundred percent confident that it was fact so um my lovely girlfriend shout out to sierra she left a beautiful comment on the wall i mean on the facebook group about like uh this fly on the wall thing and that wasn't our intention when we did it but if that's how it felt to some people i hope it did because these conversations i want you to know that these conversations are being had to all the women out there with spouses uh you know men who go to work with other men if you can have the most faith in your husband in the world and maybe he's just sitting there quietly not saying anything, mm -hmm. but those conversations are being had around your husband. Yes. Your husband knows how other not so, uh, you know, progressive men feel about uh, Dr. Ford and the Cosby accusations and a whole bunch of other women's things that it's just, it's implicit bias. It's, it's just, I don't know, man, my, my father told me that this is how the world works. So that's just how I see it. And I don't need to look up facts to know that that's how the world works and women, this and women that, and that's just, that's just, it, it affected us in a way too. We, we have our own implicit biases that even though we want to be as progressive and say that we're allies and all this kind of stuff, there's just some stuff that just is already programmed that the right conversation is just, you can say a thing that you think is like, Oh, that's just that's how everybody sees it, right? And you're like, and it's like, oh no, you're completely wrong. It's not how the world works at all. And that was one of those situations. So um, again, just want to you know apologize and clean that up a little bit before we move on. Yeah, so we're gonna move on from that and uh, let's jump into these good vibes. That's right, folks. Welcome to another segment of Good Vibes, where we try to bring a little sunshine into this dark, dark, cloudy world. Fran, um, do you want to tell your Good Vibes story first, or would you like me to go first? I'll go first. Okay, cool. Go for it. My Good Vibes story this week is about a woman um, that raised more than 300000 to help a homeless man who spent his last $20 to buy her gas. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, so Kate, Kate McClure was on her way to Philadelphia when she met Johnny Bobbitt. Johnny Bobby Jr. He is a homeless man, but at that moment, she was the one in need of help. The ensuing, the ensuing act of kindness would soon lead, lead to a second chance for a 34-year-old man who has been living on the streets for a year and a half. Oh, wow. So this dude was a homeless guy, and he said... That's fresh homeless, though. Yeah, and I can't remember if they said he was in the military or not, mm. but he was a, um, a paramedic. Oh. He was a paramedic. Oh wow! And then, like you know, he lost hard his job. Times. Hard times, you know, like um, 
drugs and money, and mm. that's how he ended up on the street. But his friend said that his, this dude was like really smart. Like he could have been a doctor if he wanted to. He yeah. was he was that smart. So McClure ran out of gas while driving on Interstate 95 last month. Mm. She stopped at a nearest exit ramp, her heart pounding as she got out the car to find a gas station. Then she met Bobby, who was sitting on the side of the road near the exit ramp holding holding a sign. She said, quote, he saw me pull over and knew something was wrong. He told me to get back in the car and lock the doors. Oh. So McClure said. Where did she break down at? <laughs> <laughs> Gangland? Stay in the car. Lock the doors. I'm like, Jesus. Well, maybe Damn. maybe they wasn't in a bad neighborhood, but it's probably, it probably was late. And yeah. her, again, and also, being a woman. He, and that. Yep. And also, if he's there, there's probably other homeless people. Yeah. More seasoned homeless. Because he's yeah. new homeless. Yes. New homeless still got a little bit of sparkle in their eye. Yeah. You can tell new homeless. New homeless, their clothes aren't really started to just be full-on black, mm-hmm. and they still got that little bit of thankfulness in them. Mm-hmm. Season homeless, it's a whole different lifestyle. Yeah. Season homeless, they, they rob know. You. Yeah, season homeless, they, they're aggressive. They <laughs> might rob you. And also, they already know their little formula. Like, well, I can get $5 over here and go to this corner, all yeah. kind of stuff. So if they see new homeless on their corner, I've seen homeless people fight. Get off my, get yeah. off my, this is my block. Yeah. Like, straight up gang war shit, you know? Yeah. So new homeless still got that little bit of twinkle. Like, oh, I used to have a Prius. Hey, lock your, stay in there. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy out here. I'm still trying to survive. Just stay in the car. <laughs> I'm still navigating this neighborhood. Yep. So, um, yeah, so she told he told her to get back in the car and lock the doors. So McClure said Bobby walked to the gas station and came back with a can filled with gas. Good he dude. spent $20, mm. which was the only money he had to buy it. Mm. So McClure decided to give back. She started a GoFundMe campaign about two weeks ago to raise money to help Bobby get back on his feet. She had intended to raise ten thousand for an apartment, a vehicle, and other expenses for the for the next four to six months. So then they have a video with this if you guys want to look it I up. I was wondering because I was yeah. this this story sounds very sweet, but the video must be amazing because. $300,000 is a lot of money for yeah. just somebody putting up a Facebook post like, oh my God, a homeless man bought me gas today yeah. and to get 300 k So there must be a really touching video. Yeah, it's a video with this. And then like before, while all this, while she had the um, GoFundMe campaign going on, she was actually going back and forth to to the guy and like Keeping giving him communication. Yeah, giving him food and Good. you know money Good. and stuff like that and gift Good. cards and whatever. And then um, they got a video. He's in the back reading the newspaper about it. And then he's like, and then at some point she raised... Seven hundred sixty-nine dollars. He was like, "I mean, yeah, that's amazing." Yeah, this. <laughs> Thank you. That was, that was, he's like, "This will change my life." <laughs> let alone fucking three hundred thousand yeah, dollars or whatever. Shit. But um, yeah. So they raised three hundred thousand dollars for this guy, and then like, but also it's another um article I read that like it's it got to go through a whole legal type of thing where for it's them like to get the money for them to get the money, and she has to prove that the money's in the account, and then he oh. ha- it got to deal with his. He has to get like it's not uh, a scam. Yeah, he has to get like a um a legal team yeah. so they can transfer the money. So it's I not as you, easy I, as it as I, it looks. I told you about that story from a couple months ago. That's like those people got prosecuted last month, I believe. But they raised money for some homeless dude that they wanted to help out, and mm. they just kept the money. Yeah, yeah. So I I'm sure GoFundMe changed the rule. You know how you get that update a notice a uh-huh. notice agreement, all the words mm-hmm. that you're like, uh, I agree. Yeah. They probably did that as soon as that story broke. Where it's like, yeah. okay, from well now. If you do a GoFundMe for somebody else, it's got to be a whole arbitration process. Yep. And, so, and everybody probably just went, 
Oh, a new GoFundMe update? Okay, cool. I agree. And they said it probably somewhere in there yeah. to, to cover their own ass. Yeah. Because they still had to pay the guy. Damn. They had to reimburse. Oh, right. Because they probably took the money. Jet skis. You know, you know. They, That's terrible. You know, I mean, like, when you're bad <laughs> enough, when you are have a bad enough soul, a stained enough soul to steal from a homeless person, mm-hmm. oh, you go ball out. Like, if you already don't care that you stole from a homeless person and you got, like, $250,000, like... We're going to Cabo, Mexico, dancing on a... We're renting a yacht for the weekend. You do big things with that kind of money. That's fucked up. When you don't have a conscience, I'm like, yeah, no, fuck that. Go, go big or go home. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing they probably was like, you know, during this time, you know, don't get too overly excited because we don't have... Yeah. The, we don't have... You don't have the money yet. Yeah. So he was don't like... Don't count your chickens, man. Yeah, so it was just like he's waiting for that whole thing to, you know... But I was like, well... I mean, she gave him, she gave him 750 Mm-hmm. He could go stay at a you know pay pay by day motel. His life should be if he if he because the I'm 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 cynical and I and I'm a pessimist. So if he took this as a sign to change his life, his life is already starting to change. Yeah, he's gotten notoriety. He could probably get. He's probably has job offers. Even mm-hmm. if it's like you want to work at a Wawa night shift, yeah, that's better off than you were a year ago. Yeah, but. Seven hundred and fifty dollars to somebody who's also a drug addict mm. could go bad. Three hundred thousand uh, yeah. dollars to somebody that's a drug addict could go awfully. Yeah. So I hope this ends in the good. And this story is beautiful. And somebody taking their last. I've had my last twenty, and mm. I own a home and pants. So my last twenty, that's getting clinched. That gets clinched. Yes. If I saw a woman that car was broken down and she needed gas, would I go and get a canister of gas for her? Yes. But I would also ask her, "Do you have money?" <laughs> to yeah. get this gas, uh, you know, hey, what's your pen? I'll get your card and then I'll bring the I'll gas bring back, you, you right. know. But if I don't, I don't have another another twenty dollars, and I know I have paychecks coming. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's Monday, I don't get paid till Friday. I need this twenty dollars. Yeah, his last twenty dollars is his last twenty dollars. I don't right. know when I'm gonna see twenty dollars <laughs> again. It's my last twenty and his last twenty is two completely different things. Yeah. And I wouldn't buy somebody gas with my last twenty. Yeah. So yeah, it's like they had pictures of him. And he was like, you know, he was all his old pictures, yeah. clean. He had his dog on his. He had a picture of his dog on his shoulders and stuff. Yo. He he had a picture next to a helicopter because he was a paramedic, and it was like. And then now he has like he has like Scruffy. jacket on. He got his beard is like crazy. down into his chest almost. So life, was like, life comes at you fast, man. That's crazy. So I mean, like, I, I hopefully he got some job offers. I mean, I he's so that job he got is important. So I mean, yeah. hopefully he got it. But he said that. But I mean. If he's homeless, I would imagine it, it's, it went beyond, sorry, man, we're, we're overstaffed. We have to let you go. He might have, like, disgraced his, yeah. you know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, a paramedic, I mean, it's not, you don't have to be complete, like, the most qualified person in the world. Mm. But it's not just a job anybody has. Right. So why isn't he a paramedic anymore? You know what I mean? Like, drugs or whatever. He, he might have, you know, smudged his name to the point where yeah, he, you know, true. and drugs might have ruined this man's life. So I hope he looks at this as a second chance, and I hope we get an update from this story in a year about yeah. him maybe, oh, I own a small home now, and I I got my name back off of this, and I'm now a paramedic again. Yeah. I hope to see that. I hope that this doesn't end with him going out in the blaze of glory in a pile of heroin. Yeah, so his, but his first thing he said he wanted to do with, when he got the money, you know, he wanted to help He wanted to help out. That's good. So Other homeless. Other homeless. You get perspective. Yeah, so that's he good. wanted to help out. So that's beautiful. That's I like that. That's a really good story. Yeah. New, new homeless is... I'd rather I'd rather snap my fingers tomorrow and and have and be homeless and have all the mental like put me Expense. in the body of a homeless person than be new homeless. That's probably terrifying. Yeah. Remember the pursuit of happiness? 
Yeah. When uh, he had to sleep in that fucking bathroom, yeah. that was new. That's new homeless. Where you're like, I have dignity. Why am I in this on the floor bathroom in a <laughs> bus at a train station that you really feel it? But when you that like quote unquote dignity of like I don't know man I'm gonna shit under this bridge when you are that <laughs> I want to go from if my life changes I want to go from like this my life now to like seasoned I don't want to go through the growing pains of homeless so shout out to that guy because that first time you like oh I'm not sleeping indoors tonight that's real yeah that's a that's the type of sadness that's that's real I mean new homeless and you have like. A hundred bucks to your name oh. will be gone. Yeah. I will go to McDonald's, to get all kinds oh of meals. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's just such <laughs> Eating a... snacks like, yeah, it's just, it's, <laughs> like I get paid tomorrow. <laughs> that's dark because you don't know how to manage it, you know? You don't know how to be like, okay, well, I'm going to buy some Vienna sausages in a can. These will last me the whole month. You're like, oh, man, I got a hundred dollars? I'm good. Yeah. Let me go to Red Lobster. They got the five for five, you know, deals that you think are cheap that aren't. Then you've got a last hundred and you spend $30 at Red Lobster, you're like... Oh wow, that's a third of my money is gone now. You know, so that whole growing pain, homeless growing pains, nah, man, that's real. Shout out to that guy, man. That was a that was a good story. I hope that that I hope we I really would like to see an update from that story and and continued positive direction. Uh, my good vibe story this week, <clears throat> I thought was really beautiful and it touched on some of the stuff I talked about last week about um, music and school. So, um, Stacy Caldwell is a music teacher in Wilmeth Elementary School in McKinney, Texas. Um, she believed that a 10-year-old boy named Elijah had a special talent after hearing him play drums on a bucket. She asked him if he had ever had drum lessons, and he said he was self-taught. You know you're self-taught because he plays. He can play, if you can play on a bucket, they don't teach you that in drum class. No. Man, I had to learn rhythm on this bucket from Home Depot. Yeah. So, uh, no, I don't have a, a drum teacher. It used to be a guy downtown playing on a bucket. Like, across the whole harbor where them kids play at? Yeah. Like, where the uh, ice want- cream... Ice cream store, you know, right yeah, yeah, across yeah. from uh, Foco de Chao. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, uh, by the book, uh, Barnes & Noble. Barnes Noble, yep. That's He's where the, we met up with uh, our first that, listener. Bang on that bucket. Well, A1 Chops is down there now tearing shit up. He probably ain't down in them. Oh, I would hope not. <laughs> uh, as we spoke on last week, he got 10 racks on live television. Mm. So I would hope he now just makes drum videos like in his house. I'm talking about the guy in... that played on the bucket ain't down there. Oh, the guy was... oh yeah. Man. <laughs> I mean, it's not the most lucrative. You play on buckets, you know, it's like. The, the novelty of that goes away eventually. Like, all right, cool, man. Yeah. He got plenty of buckets, though. He got the small buckets. Oh, so to make different, different sounds. sounds. Okay, well, no. Nah, I mean, well, maybe, he, maybe he moved on to bigger things. He might be playing festival maybe. stages now. Yeah, he man, might I be the know. best drum bucket player in the state. You know, we don't know. Anyway, uh, so Elijah not having a drum uh, drum set of his own, he can only practice at school, church, and uh, at Guitar Center, which when I read that, I was like, that's so sad. Like a kid without drums to play at his house, he's like, goes and samples them at a store that he can't take them with him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's how much he loves to play the drums. Um, this all changed thanks to Caldwell and a few community members. In a video posted on Facebook, Caldwell asks Elijah uh, to stay after class, and su- she surprises him with his very own drum set. I'm actually going to mm-hmm. post this on the Facebook group because it's a really beautiful video. The kid is only 10, but he's like, you know, pl- plump. He's a, he's a big kid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he kind of he's, – he's got that uh, – in my mind, every drummer is Questlove, so he kind of he's kind of built like Questlove, like a young oh, okay. like a young Questlove. But um, she gets in this drum set, man, and I mean, he starts to cry, so thankful, and then she's like, "You want to you want to give it a go?" And he rips this drum set apart, you know, mm. where it's he self. When you go, when I read he was self taught, and then you watch the video, it's like, wow, I mean, that's incredible, man. Like, think about if I mean he he's fortunate enough to have a music class in his school, mm-hmm. but. There's so many kids out there with untapped potential, untapped talent, and 
not only was it beautiful to see the talent, it was beautiful to see the focus. Because drum, drumming takes precision, timing, and and focus. Yeah. To see the cymbals and see, you know, hit the snare and then kick the, the bass drum. It's, it's super difficult. Yeah. So a 10-year-old kid with that level of, uh, 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 what's the word? Um, um, composure and just, just timing. It made me go, man, every, every school should have a music program. Every kid should have the ability to say emphatically, I don't know how to play the drums. Every school don't, don't have music. No, man. Music oh, got shit. taken out of, especially inner city schools and especially inner city schools in Baltimore. Mm. I would dare say that music got taken out of schools while we were still in school. I had a guitar class, but I feel like there were budget cuts going on and there was decisions being made. And it was like, oh, well, you know, music has to go, you know, after school programs have to go. I don't like that because I feel like as a kid, it it gives you a level of confidence that you might not even realize. Just knowing that you can play the guitar might make you hold your head a little bit higher. Even if you're not going around bragging about it, mm-hmm. that's it not something you you can't really sauce off that you play the guitar. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that you have that skill is it can give you confidence to go, oh, man. I know how to play the guitar. I can do algebra. Mm-hmm. I know how to play the guitar. I can fucking write an English paper. You know. I just think every kid should have the opportunity to say. I'm not good at guitar. I'm not good at drums. I'm not good at playing the flute. Not just I don't. I don't know. I never. <laughs> I never played that. Uh, you know, like that's not right. That you don't even get the opportunity to learn. So this I mean, one, that sucks. I mean, for not to not know how to play an instrument. Any. I mean, I played the clarinet. I think I can still play it if I for part of really, it out. If you really got back into a corner, you could bust out a couple notes. Yeah. I mean, I we. I, I know how to play the recorder. That's easy. Uh, why are you gonna shit on? But why? Are you, why are you gonna <laughs> shit on me? You don't got shit on me. I'm just saying. Anybody? What you know? How to play the guitar, right? Real life. You I know how to play the guitar. guitar. I, can, I can hit a lick. I know yeah. how to play the zombies. By but the we know how to. But we. I got the. I got the opportunity. I know exactly. I know. That's, that's what I mean. That's and that's yeah. So and I and right. that's what I'm saying too. It's like I know that I'm not great on guitar. I can pick up a guitar and go. You know, I can hit a little. You know, a little. Little. You know, I learned how to play like buzzing by Swayze. Just mm-hmm. like. Oh, and then, you know, sometimes if somebody has a guitar at, like, a party or something, I'd be like, oh, is that a guitar? I mean, I'm, you know, what's this? I mean, I might know a little. Mm-hmm. Bang, 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 bang. It's just mm-hmm. like, and people are like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, whatever, man. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you can, but just that little, but that's, that's. But you learn, though. Exactly. And, that's a, and that, <laughs> even that, in that little moment, you get a little bit of endorphins from like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I, I dabble. Yeah. You get a little bit of like, I mean, it's, all right, guys. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Gary Clark Jr. Like, mm-hmm. let's calm down. You know, you got when you gotta calm people down, like if you bust out the clarinet and you hit a, you know, some squid, 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 squid. I don't know I'm if you can play like, I'm out there like Squidward. With yeah, that yeah. You, <laughs> <laughs> if you bust the clarinet, well, if you bust the clarinet out at the kickback, you know, people might look at you a little crazy. Yeah, That's not like a party him. instrument, yeah. you know. But it ain't a sax or nothing. Like no, nah, you know, if you, even if you bust, no, nah, no, nah, you bust a yeah. sax out, you, you, you might fuck everybody <laughs> in the party. You know, that's crazy. You just like underwear all yeah, passion. You know, you hit a sax solo. But now the clarinet might not get the same reaction. No, but no, no. but in the right environment, you know, if you at like you know the symphony orchestra and you you know tatted up with a ball cap on and a t shirt, you're like, oh, what's that? A clarinet? Yeah, mm-hmm. puby shot. Yeah, you <laughs> get your mouth wet. I think you got to do put your little reed in it. You know, and you you know, even if you hit a little basic shit, be like, it would be like, oh wow, you know how to play the clarinet? It's like, yeah, you know, a little something, a little light, something, a little something. something light. You know, I you know I do my thing. Yeah. It, it's a little it, it it gives you access to conversations that's like a little 
yeah, I do that, whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's kids out there, millions of kids that will never know. And yeah. they might be as good as this kid Elijah, as could rip up a drum set, could tear up a guitar, and they'll never know. And also for like inner city kids, it's like them being able to do something like that can not bring be, them out of them. Not be outside. It, yeah, it can bring out their worst days. They can have a bad day. Like, yes. you know what? Turn the music. Think about how many that's kids crazy. in the inner city rap. It's yeah. the same thing. It's yeah. like, yeah. Uh, it's there. that's the only music that they've been uh, shown a path through. Mm-hmm. And so when they're having a, da- a downtime or their friend gets killed or whatever happens, something's going on with their mom, one of their parents is on drugs. It's like, I'm going to rap about it. Mm-hmm. But you could get just as much of that pain out in a guitar yep. or in a drum set or whatever. And they don't have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's so limiting. It's putting these kids in a box mm-hmm. and you'll suffocate in a box. I just, I, I, I don't think any kid should be put in a box labeled any of that stuff because they have all the potential in the world. So I want to give a shout out to this lady, Miss um, Stacy Caldwell from McKinney, Texas. Thank you. Thank you for seeing this kid playing on it. Cause she didn't even see him play on a drum set. She saw him play on a bucket. Mm-hmm. So he must've ripped the bucket up. Yeah. Now in the like, video, imagine if he had a drum set. exactly but in the video you see so basically the video she kind of and i appreciate the video for the purpose of laying it out there but she kind of she had somebody recording it Mm -hmm. and was went over the whole story of the whole thing talking to the kid Mm -hmm. and she goes so she had but so he comes in the room she got the bucket on the floor already she she it was set up she knew what she wanted to do with Mm -hmm. this kid so he comes in she's having a conversation and you know you did something on the bucket and i thought it was amazing um can you play the bucket real quick again just so you can see Tearing the drum, tearing the bucket up. Mm-hmm. Playing in the middle of the bucket, playing at the tip of the bucket, mm-hmm. so it sounds different. Playing on the side of the bucket. He he made that bucket do a million different things, and and I was like, oh wow, I could see how somebody could see that and go, yeah man, we got to get this kid. This kid has potential. Yeah. And she, Miss Caldwell, saw the potential in this kid, and she gave my opportunity, and mm-hmm. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. And I just wanted to say shout out to Miss Caldwell and shout out to Elijah. I hope that this, it's also good to see people in your corner. I think that this this kid is is really put on the best possible path he could be on. And, and his life, if it goes bad, it's not because he doesn't feel like people are in his corner. Because to see somebody, you know, that isn't your blood, that doesn't look like you, because Miss Caldwell is white and this kid is black, mm. to see somebody that doesn't look like you, especially in today's world, when you see somebody that doesn't look like you, reach out and help and, and provide you an opportunity. You're like, oh, wow, everybody's not awful like it, is, it seems on TV. So I just thought it was beautiful. And I hope that this kid continues to rip drums up and, you know, play him in church and play him or whatever. And maybe someday you'll be on the Jimmy Fallon show or whatever iteration of the Jimmy Fallon show there is playing in his house band or whatever. So shout out to everybody involved in this story. And I will be putting the video up on the Facebook group. And uh, that was my good vibe story for this week. Um, What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Fran, do you have any suggestions of what we should go out on? No. Okay. Then I'm going to, we're going to go out to Paramore's Ain't It Fun. That's always a, just a good jam. I was listening to Riot the other day. It's a great album. Wow. Such a good album. <laughs> Such a good album. Mm. Haley Williams is a is a gem. She She's a gem and we should appreciate her. She also just recently, I don't know how I feel about it because it's my favorite song, but I understood her reasoning for it. She said she won't be playing, she won't be playing Misery Business anymore. She said some problematic things in Misery what? Business. About, really? Yeah, well, she says in the song, once a whore, you're nothing more. And she felt like that was um, that was downgrading to women. As a woman, to be like, oh, you're a... St-. It was like slut-shaming. I so mean, she... was people saying that? No, it was all her. It was all no, her. No, I mean, I mean oh. like, 
Oh, so nobody brought it up. No, no. Oh, okay. Her, she said, oh. I wrote the song when I was 17. I'm 28 now. She just I'm like that's I'm, I'm not that girl anymore oh, that's okay. like hating on a girl. Right. And, you know, so I, I respect it. I'm not going to not listen to Misery Business. Oh, yeah. You just won't, just don't expect to hear Misery Business on the set list if you go see Paramore. I mean, like. And that's her, that's her, that's her choice. That's, that's She's free to do that. She's grown up. She doesn't feel connected to the song yeah. anymore. I don't have, I don't, I don't have a problem with that, but I mean, like, I was about to concentrate. <laughs> I don't. When I saw them, I don't remember if she played it, but I feel like she did. And, but this was like four years ago. But um, yeah. So we're gonna go out to "Ain't It Fun." Uh, I know that this song, this song is kind of a diss record in my opinion, but it's a fun song. So it's a fun diss record. Uh, and uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk about some fucked up shit. So stay tuned. All right, folks, and we are back. Fran, uh, it is my turn to go first this week, so mm-hmm. please strap in for my uh, affirmative murder this week. Okay. This is the story of Amarjeet Sada. <clears throat> okay. So Amarjeet Sada was an eight-year-old boy who hailed from India. He was born in Begusari, Bihar, and his family was residing in the village of Musari. The boy's father was a day laborer. This young serial killer's victims were all babies who hardly were a few months old. Mm. The second victim of his killing spree was his own sister, and yet his parents covered up his murder crime. Oh, his parents covered up his crime until he committed his third murder. Mm. The victim was the infant of a neighbor in the village of Musahari Bhagwanpur in Begusari. Apparently, the child was asleep in a crib at a school, unattended while her mother did chores nearby. Amarjeet crept close to the baby's bed, quietly grabbed her, and took her to a field where he knew that no one could hear her cries. So this proves that he knew what he was doing was bad. And he was eight. He was eight years old. Wow. So if this was any kind of, um, oh, I don't know, like, I don't, I snapped or whatever, that kind of disproves that because he went, let me take this baby somewhere private right so i don't get caught right you know which is terrifying and it, every time i read or watch something about a child killer i think about that goddamn movie the orphan and how that lady if it, spoiler alert in the orphan it was like i'm a little russian girl mm-hmm. but then at the end of the movie she starts putting on lipstick and she takes out her fake teeth oh. and she's like 46 the little kid <laughs> <laughs> you never seen the orphan no oh it's a great movie <laughs> so she so she's this little kid uh I, we'll talk about it. We'll talk oh, about it. Yeah. Great, great movie. Great movie. Great twist. Great twist. Because at first you're like, is this an M Night Shyamalan movie or something? No, oh, okay. no, it's just just crazy. Because at first you're like, oh, this kid's like weird and fast and like sexual. That's but then crazy. it's like the mom reads the finds out who she really is, uh, and it's like she was born in 1963. Whoa. And it's like, uh, but she's a it's a kid actor. It really is a kid. Uh, but it's like, no, but I'm 40. That's crazy. So I was like, I gotta what? See that. Yeah, the orphan. Yo, the orphan is crazy. So whenever I hear about child killers, it's like, oh, whoa. Just a kid with uh, intent yeah. and being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bed. Swing. Take a knife out of the little knife thing you got in your house in the mm-hmm. kitchen. Take one of the sharp knives. 
put it behind their back and go to bed and put it under a pillow. Then they stab you when you're reading them a bedtime story. Mm. That's where my mind goes whenever I, like, child killers. I think about children doing children things, but in their mind they're like, yeah, if you come a little closer while I'm swinging on the swing, I got a knife in my shoe, and I'm going to kick you in your throat with the knife. Whoa. I just that's great. where my head goes, like a kid that's calculated and evil. It's, it's like, it's like was they, were they born already with that fucking, that's that, crazy. That, that comes up. There's a lot, there's a lot. I read, I actually read a few uh, art, like psychology articles about like, are, can you be born evil? Can you be yeah. born a, a sadist and all this kind of stuff? So some, you know, some conflicting uh, arguments between psychologists, but some of the ones that I read is like, I mean, you know. There is evidence that you can be, you know, mm. um, but then there's the whole that's the whole nature versus nurture argument. Like, are you born this way or did you learn it through trauma or just upbringing from your parents? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's an, there's an argument there. I believe I'm not a psychologist, but I believe there is like a debate to be had there between two people who are qualified. Um, so he took the baby out into the woods using a brick. He bludgeoned the baby mm. in the face until she died. He then covered the body with grass and leaves. So he, I mean, this was completely intentional. Like he knew he killed a, somebody, a baby, and then made a shallow grave for the baby and buried it. Well, I feel like as a or kid, or not buried though, it, but like made a shallow grave and then covered it up. For a kid, though, I feel like he's that evil. But he went to bury it. Like he like grabbed handfuls of grass and like was trying to sprinkle it over the baby, but didn't like cover it. Yeah, I'm, I don't think he did a good job. <laughs> but what what's I mean. more scary is if he did. That's that's <laughs> it's like funny to be like, yeah, man, that's crazy. A kid like probably taking. Little little eight year old handfuls of grass, exactly. throwing it on a, on a a a pile of a dead child. But what's more scary is if he did a good enough job that it they had to work to find the kid. Mm. Which they said it was a shallow grave, but I think that's being generous. I think it is more of what you're saying, where it was like just a baby dead out in the woods with like some sticks. The image. Oh, I can't. Yeah, it's, it's, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he murdered he murdered a baby. Mm. An eight year old murdered a baby in the woods. Um. <clears throat> When the child's relatives frantically searched for her, they found the body. They found the battered body, and the obvious subs, the obvious suspect was Amarjeet, because several people knew it wasn't his first time. It wasn't the first time that a baby had died when he was around, wow. because his parents had covered up two other murders that he had done. They considered it a family matter. So um, uh, the police took him in for questioning. He admitted to the grisly deed, apparently stating that he had put her to sleep. He showed police where he had, where he had placed her. When they asked why he had done it, Amarjeet just smiled. I mean, this is this story is interesting, but it's like I'm not gonna say it's funny because me picturing an eight year old, it's like all these like weird little clips come out here, like you know they asking him questions, interrogating him, and then he's like playing with a train toy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, but the thing is, I what what made what tripped me out reading the story was the contrast of that of 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 him not doing any of that. Yeah, like him being like, uh, "Can I get a coffee?" Like he's like a grown like in that yeah. story you just talk about. He's like he's like a grown person. Like, yeah, in the kid's he's body. In, he's in the he's in the interrogation room with the handcuffs on. But he's like, "Can you uh can you light me up?" I'm like, "Oh, this dude is nuts." <laughs> so uh, took her out to the woods. But he's eight, so it's like. <sighs> So, um, took her out into the woods, you know. She looked at me a little funny, and I didn't appreciate it, so she had to go. What is it, like a candy cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> Got the little red tip with it. <laughs> That's fucked up. All right, we're going to move on. Oh, 
That was fucked up. All right. <laughs> Spider Man candy sugar. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. That was that was funny. Um So uh, a few months earlier, he'd come under suspicion for strangling his infant sister, as mm. well as bludgeoning a one year old cousin while staying with his mother's brother. Both incidents were hushed up. But neighbors were aware of Amarjeet's nasty tendencies because they live in a small village. So it's like everybody everybody knew that he had killed two kids. What you- but they just couldn't because it was his family. And I'll get to I'll get to the um what the theories are of uh-huh. why they protected him and everything like that. There's a couple ones. Some you of them. Meanwhile, his family or the people in the village. Why the family? Oh, okay. But again, we're not talking about. He didn't do this in Seattle. This yeah. is like a third world village, and yeah, you know, if, if they didn't call the police, it's like nobody. Pe- they can be mad at the people. And they could look at him and be like, "Oh, he might be evil." But th- there's no law that's gonna come in. You know, mm-hmm. if the if the parents aren't gonna pursue it, then this reminds me of that story you did with the the what was the girls. Is that the one with the neighbors? The neighbors knew, but they just wasn't saying. Oh, nothing. you're talking about the girl. Yeah, the was, girl. That was from like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignorance, you know. But even <laughs> that, even that, is in Indiana, That's and that happened. So this is this is this you is, can yeah. say you can you can live you might live in Indiana, and I've I've seen some like videos of like cops in Indiana and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Indiana's rough. It ain't fucking uh, Bagel Root, India. You know, it, it, it ain't that. It ain't that bad. You know. So this is way worse yeah. than even that. You know. It's like, why are they not calling the cops? It's like, there, there are no cops. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, the next cops are six villages away, and they ride bikes. So I don't know what you expect. That you sucks. Know? It's like, well. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, it's a, it's a fam- it's, it's the kind of place where you can say a double murder is a family matter, and people are like, well, all right, well, handle it, I guess. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, like I said, so the neighbors were aware of his nasty tendencies, uh, so they would generally avoid him. Many were certain that he'd killed his two relatives. So mm. they were all, it was, it was, everybody knew. Yeah. But it just, you know, they let him continue to rock in the village, you know. Uh, it wasn't difficult for investigators to learn about these incidents, but no, but not one could quite fathom a serial killer this young. Uh, a psychoanalyst from Patna named uh, Shamshad Hussein surmised that the boy was a developing sadist. In other words, he was a born killer. Mm-hmm. Had he not been stopped, he would have he would have looked for other vulnerable infants to kill, and would have gotten more brutal. Because this is, I mean, this is only eight. So I mean, imagine a like, brick is brutal. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but so just imagine the uh, escalation from that mm. is that's terrifying. And to he's think growing. About. Uh, that's... Yeah, that's terrifying to even think about it. Eight, you're you're strangling kids and mm-hmm. killing babies with bricks and shit like that. So your escalation, it could go sexual and brick. Mm-hmm. It could go. It could go crate decapitation, despi- you don't know. It, it could because it started at such a high p- place, you yeah. know. So uh, that's pretty terrifying to think about as well. Is that at eight he was this violent? Um, yeah. So he seemed to show no remorse for any of these murders. Also, um, however, there was no evidence of the type of prolonged torture characteristics of a of a sadist. So it seemed more likely that Amarjeet is a thrill killer deriving pleasure from the act of killing. So right in that, just in that moment of killing is when he gets his high, you know? Mm. He doesn't get it from the torture and the let making it last and all that kind of stuff. He just, like, kill and then satisfied the urge right then and there. This is crazy to even be saying this about eight. I mean, he's eight, yes. Yeah, um, urge? Fuck. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Psychologists have likened this case to the horrifying story of Mary Bell, who was 10 going on 11 when she and a friend 
kidnapped two like um really young kids from an elementary school mm. and tortured them in the woods and was carving on them and scratched them and mutilated them. Mm. Um, and so they they really likened it to this this case because it was. But he's even younger than her. Mm. So still, a lot of people, especially psychologists, there's no precedent really for an eight year old doing this. So it was, it was unfathomable. So a lot of the a lot of the theories, not a lot, but some of the theories were that his somebody in his family did this mm. and they coerced him into confessing because it was just. But that's people's way of going. This is just too unbelievable. There's no precedent of an eight year old doing this, mm. so it can't be. I I can't believe it as a psychologist who has facts and statistics about the ages the, and what the behaviors of kids this age, this is so out of the realm of that, that it had to be, uh, this is a setup. Mm. So that's, that's one theory that's floating around. Uh, another member of the psychology field pointed out that he didn't appear to have any concept of knowing what right from wrong is, you know, especially, you know, uh, smiling after you confess and not seeming like, just like, yeah, I've killed her. What, what now? You know, he was very, very disinterested in everything that was going on. But at the end of the case study, the, the young serial killer was diagnosed with conduct disorder, which I didn't look up because that, I mean, I would assume it just means like, you know, you have bad conduct. I don't know. Um, but you, 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 whoever's out there listening, you're free to look up what conduct disorder is. This kid's crazy. I don't, you know, I yeah. don't, you know, the specifics of, of something is, you know, he's nuts. He, he kills children. Um, it is believed that this chemical imbalance can be successfully treated with medication. So that is, in, that is important for what I'm about to say next. Okay. <clears throat> According to the Indian law, this young serial killer could not be convicted as he was way too young to be punished. It is believed that Amarjeet was released from a children's hospital last year. This murder took place in 2007, so he's about 18. Mm. But there's no, there are no... Uh, there's no concrete details of his punishment or his current whereabouts because, you know, it's a third world country in India. So there's only, you know, theories and right. beliefs. There's nothing like he's here. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, it is assumed that he's living free under an assumed name, which, you know, so he could have gotten out, changed his name, moved to another part of India or somewhere else. And is, you know, on his medication and doing well, mm-hmm. that is possible. It's also possible that he stopped doing his medication and he's an 18 year old person who at eight years old killed three babies. And if he's not on his medication, what's to stop him from doing that again? Yeah. So it is possible that we could be hearing an update of this story and in the next 10 years of this is, Oh, this is Amarjeet Sada. And now he's 26 and he, we found a grave of, we found a grave. That's crazy. You know, that's scary as fuck. Yeah. Um, there's a general belief that the reason the family covered up the first two murders is because they were both girls and they were ch- and they chose to protect the boy from prosecution because boys become men and are typically the breadwinners of the family in India and end up taking care of the elderly. So ju- and also other other patriarchal things that are like, well, we like boys better than men. It's the same thing. I mean, boys better than girls, like same thing in China, like, you know, everybody wants a boy. It's the same thing in America. Like every guy wants a boy. A, a lot of girls want a boy. Even like girls are just kind of seen by the world, and I think that that's unfortunate because I would love to have a daughter, and you have a daughter. Yeah, I, I they're seen as like a burden, and in other countries that are poorer, they're seen as a financial burden because they come with you know biological things like they need, you know, uh, sanitary napkins and 
and, mm-hmm. and, and, and birth control and all these are all things that people are like oh roll their eyes at when it's like I mean look man we're all people we all come from women I don't think that women should have to pay for birth control because birth control affects men and women mm. so I don't know why that needs to be a woman's responsibility but hey I don't know but that's just kind of that's just kind of how the world works and that sucks but yeah. so th- that allowed you know up, that all kind of everything I just said kind of played a part in why this little boy it was like well i mean like let's not we already lost two kids let's not lose the boy too you know that's selfish oh it's very it's incredibly selfish <laughs> that's very selfish yes um so yeah that was the story of amarjeet sada mm. and uh he is i believe he's the youngest serial killer that's great ever um so yeah that was my affirmative murder i mean that's like what did he learn like if <laughs> that's that's crazy Pretty nuts, especially yeah. to think like what I was doing in 2007. 2007, I was what, 15? You know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to see some boobs. Yeah. And this kid is like, I'm a murderer. Yeah. And I'm, and I, and I'm, young I'm not doing a good job. Like he did like the easy bake oven version of covering up a, a crime scene. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when you when you're a kid, you're like, I'm a chef. Mm. Put the little dough in the thing and slide <laughs> it in the easy bake. He was like, I'm a killer. Killers take leaves and cover the body up, uh, but he did it like with little baby hands of leaves, and mm-hmm. you know, so he was doing that kind of shit. And in 2007, I was like, I can't wait till I get my learner's permit. <laughs> so the contrast of that is pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was Amarjeet Sada. That was my affirmative murder. Uh, Fran, if you don't have any questions, we're gonna move right along. Nah. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's Fran's turn to finish things off and uh, tell his story. So you know, stay tuned. All right, and we are back. Folks, I don't know if I feel like we haven't said this in a while, but um, thank you very much for the continued reviews that are being left on um, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are now also available on Spotify, and I believe you can, I don't know, leave review. I don't know. I don't know if you can leave reviews on Spotify, but, you know, if you have Spotify and you aren't an uh, Apple user, which I'm not going to get into the debate about which one is better because we all know which one is better. Hmm. And it's not even a better thing of, like, my phone, uh, a little monkey comes out of the side of the screen and does a dance, and my camera does it. I don't care about any of that. <laughs> Apple is the best phone because it's simple and everybody has it. And the features, I don't. The features, if everybody has the iPhone, they all see my emojis, they all get my text messages and iMessage. The bubbles are blue, not green. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, you're not in the loop, and that's just how it is. Okay. But if you don't use Apple Podcasts, that's up to you. And we are now available on Spotify, which I know is kind of the competing, you know, platform to Apple Music. Mm -hmm. And they are now getting into the podcast game as well. And you can find us on Spotify now. So um, if you can leave reviews on there, sure, leave reviews. If not, it's still just on there for you to be able to download and listen to. That's all I have to say. Fran, the floor is yours. Yeah. So my further murder this week is about, okay, I got the story from Netflix Forensic Files. Okay. I love that Great show. show. Great show. The story is about Classic Rodney show. Rodney Owens, but they tell the story of a lady named Glenda Frunches. If you Front, Frunches? Yeah, Front, Frunches. Okay. And the episode is, I think it's in Collection 1, and it's called Waste Mismanagement. That's the mm. that's the title of the, the episode. Okay. So this story is about Glenda Frunches in Glenworth, Texas. Glenda and her family was, a church, was churchgoers every Sunday until one Sunday, Glenda didn't show up. Mm. Her family, her and her family were regulars at this church. Basically, like, you know, it was like a generational. Parishioners. Yeah, ge- generational church. Like, she'd been going there since she was a kid, and her 
daughters and grandkids and everything go to this church. So my grandmother. Yep. So when they noticed she didn't show up, they suspected something was wrong. Mm-hmm. The pastor even said that when she didn't show up sometimes, she would call him and apologize for not showing up. Mm. And that didn't happen. Red flags everywhere. Yeah. So the family had been trying to call her, but no answer. Mm. And one of Glenda's children went to went to go check on her and noticed that her call was missing. And the apartment door was locked. So Glenda's not young. She has no, children no, that no, no. don't live with and come to check on her. No, her, okay. she's, I guess she's about like, I don't know, 50. 50 yeah, yeah, her, okay, her kid's older. Um, so one of her children went to go check on her apartment. Her car wasn't there. The door was locked. She had a key from mm-hmm. the reenactment. She had a key. She yeah. went in, but she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And nothing in the apartment looked as suspicious. Right. But, um, but you said her car was there, right? Her car wasn't there. Oh, it wasn't there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, nothing looked suspicious in the apartment, but the AC was off. So she said that it was like really hot. And mm. they're in Texas. So oh, it was yeah. really, Ooh. it was like Ooh. really hot in there. Mm. Yep. So the daughter that went to check on her, uh, she assumed that her mom left for a couple of days. So she just locked the door and left. So she right. was just like, no, maybe she, you know, hasn't been home with me. So the next day, when Glenna didn't show up for work, the family reported her missing to the police. Mm. When the police arrived, they went to the apartment and noticed that the AC was now on. Oh wow! And they found an un- and they found unmistakable signs of foul play. So they found a very large um, bleach stain on mm. the carpet next to her bed. Yep. The daughter told police that she didn't smell bleach the day before. Oh wow! So it had been. So it had been some extensive cleaning done, and items were missing, such as the vacuum cleaner and the trash can. Mm. So forensic testing of the stain on the carpet came up nothing except bleach. There was no signs of blood, and somebody wiped down the doorknob, the doorknobs, the light switches, and the water faucet to remove fingerprints. But they still had no idea where Glenda, Glenda, um, uh, flunches was. Oh, sure. Uh, of course they didn't. Somebody yeah. made her disappear. That's crazy. Yeah. That's thorough, man. So... Glenda's employer of um, General Motors said that she was at work on Thursday night and left the factory around midnight. And a record showed that Glenda used her credit card to buy gas shortly after she left work, which was around 12, 24 a.m. On the Thursday night. Yeah. But nobody, nobody seen her after that. That was the last time. And we're you know. at like Monday now, right? Because she missed church on Sunday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. And nobody in her family could tell the police about her personal life. So, you know, she didn't, all her personal life was private. So she didn't tell, like, her kids. Her like, kids, even? Yeah, like, wow. and she was dating somebody. So that's they just, couldn't. That's just so foreign to me. Because me and my mom are just so close <laughs> that if if, she, if I was like, so what's going on? Um, That's my business. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, what? Like, that would just, if my anything, mm-hmm. like, if that happened tomorrow, I'd be like, what? It just would catch me so off guard. Uh-huh. So to be a kid and you're just like, Oh yeah, me and my mom just she's very she's a, my mom's a very private person. That's yeah. that's like a that's a foreign statement to me. Yeah. So that's crazy. So yeah, so she she kept her life private so they didn't if she was dating somebody they wouldn't have known. Wow. They wouldn't be able to give that information to the police if they needed it. Which I'm probably sure they needed it cuz they asked. Yeah. Um so the police the police found records of her calling 911 a few weeks ago saying she felt threatened. Oh. They also found a report of Glenda calling the police a couple weeks before her p- a disappearance saying um, some guy was knocking on her door. Some guy was knocking on her door, and when she asked who it was, he was rambling about, "I got something to show you." Oh, stalker. Yeah. And so basically, he was like begging for her to open the door. Right. And the detective said at the time it was numerous, numerous 
um, robbers knocking on the doors or just fucking just kicking them in. Oh, yeah. So well, this then, wasn't oh. this was a thing that was going on. I wish I would have known that because then I'm definitely not opening the door yeah. at nighttime. Yep. I don't care what kind of lie you use. <laughs> yeah. So they said, but none of the homes were clean after the robbery. So mm. the investigators concluded that it was no connection to the other robberies. Mm. Then Glenda neighbors gave detectives key info. So it was like um, they went to three different neighbors and they said they saw a black man coming in and out. A black male coming in and out of the house of Glenda's apartment. Okay. Driving her car. Yeah. Which was her gold, her car was a gold Mazda. Okay. Um, so they said they, he was driving it back and forth at night. Um, they also saw him taking stuff in and out of the apartment and putting it in the dumpster, like throwing stuff away. Mm, evidence. Yep. Detectives say for him to come and go like that for a couple of days, like for for any length of time that he he even had to live there, he was, so he was familiar with the area. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, so he's familiar so with the area. He wasn't going to get questioned point. by anybody, right? Okay. Um, so evidence text. So they emptied the dumpster, and went through the con. The, they went through the bags. They went through the dozen of bags that was in the dumpster. Okay. So five of the bags contained items from Glenda's apartment. Oh. Another bag. Uh, it was the it was the receipt that she used to get gas mm. that she purchased that Thursday night after work. That's that forensics. That's yep. Diving yeah. deep. Um, so that proved that she was home at some point or for a little bit of time that Thursday night. Cause she threw the receipt away. Yeah. And the, another bag also held empty drink cans and cleaning products such as an empty uh, empty bottle of bleach. Mm. Painting the night for me. Starting to see her demise a little yep. bit, you know. Another bag contained one of Glenda's blouses that was slit all the way up from the back. Oh, so they said possibly it could be you know sexual assault. That's but, dark. Yeah, but they wasn't sure yet about yeah, that. Yeah, that's dark. Um, they also found duct tape. Mm. They found used duct tape, yeah. and they found electrical cords that had been wrapped up and also knotted. Yeah, yeah, this is getting dark. Yep. Uh, so they said maybe that those you know wires were used to you know restrain Glenda her. at some point. And the tape was used on her mouth. Yep. Uh, the only fingerprint that was found was Glenda's, and Glenda's gun was missing from her house. Damn. Yep. So the veteran detectives were surprised at how much how much cleaning. That happened in Glenda's apartment. I mean, yeah. it was like professional. It was yeah, like that's crazy. The doorknobs and the you know that's crazy. Yeah. That's excessive. That's excessive. Yeah, um, they said they they said it. Oh yeah, so so detective said that it was so much clean that it was it was a ridiculous like he went yeah overboard with the clean that they didn't find a smudge. Only yeah. thing they found was her fingerprints. Which I mean, is just think crazy. about think about the fact that they they knew they found a a, a, a bleach stain, mm-hmm. and the only thing in the bleach stain was bleach. Yeah, like that's <laughs> excessive. I've you know I've been cleaning the bathroom mm-hmm. so many times, and I've been like, well, that's clean enough. Yeah, but you could really you could go and get more dirt off. Yeah, if you really wanted to. Yeah, mm-hmm. get where you know put your elbow into it, but you're like, that's clean enough. Mm-hmm. He went until the only thing that was in that spot. Was bleach. bleach, not yeah. a trace of anything. That's that's, crazy. that's that's precision obsessive cleaning. Yeah. So, um, they said that he vacuumed thoroughly, collected any type of hair or fiber that you would thought you would find that was gone. Wow. And he took he took the vacuum with him. So he, this I mean he knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, like that's really scary because if my picture of this person so far. 
is of an assassin. Like this is a professional killer. Like yeah. a hitman. That that's that's such a pr- like and not just like you know when you watch cops and somebody they do a hitman sting where it's mm-hmm. like okay I'll give you ten thousand dollars to kill my husband. I mean like a hitman from a movie, where it's like you're dead and I'm gone and it was like I was never here. Yeah. You're like that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So five days after her disappearance, someone called the police to report a fire at a car wash 30 miles from Glenda's apartment. So the fire department showed up and found a gold-colored Mazda. Wow. Engulfed in flames. So they said the accelerants had been used and the fire had been deliberately set. When the vehicle was extinguished, investigators found nobody. They didn't find nothing inside. Oh. You, yeah, gotcha. You left me hung out. <laughs> I was like, what? what they <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, so the license plate has been removed, but the VI number was still intact. And it was definitely Glenda's car, her, yeah. was, uh, her, glow, her gold Mazda. So then a citizen reported finding a female body wrapped in blue floral com- in a blue floral comforter, tied in electrical cords along the, mm. along the railroad tracks. Like on the railroad tracks? I think it was probably like, no, I don't know. Oh, I, was no, about to, I, I thought so. it was like, no. I'm going to take this to the next level and I'm going to put her on the train tracks for the train to hit her. Now she's like, nobody can tell who it was. That would have been next level. Yeah. No, but she wasn't on the railroad tracks. Like on, a si- on, like the on the side. On the side, yeah. The probably like in a ditch. Yeah, yeah. Next to the railroad track. Uh, so forensic, forensic odontologists compared Glenda's dental records to the unknown female, but it wasn't Glenda. Oh, okay. So the search continued. A month after Glenda's disappearance, Dallas police noticed a man getting items out of the trunk of a car that had been reported stolen. As the police moved in on the suspect, he dipped off on a high-speed chase. So he led the police on a chase through you know, red lights and all yeah. fucking kinds of streets onto the highway. And the officer said that, um, officer said that the vehicle that he was driving, driving was traveling so fast that they've never seen somebody drive a Ford Probe that fast I've never seen a Ford Pro me either so, so I'm guessing it's like <laughs> it a, a Prius car, like yeah. some type of fucking <laughs> but he was pushing that motherfucker whatever it was uh, so the suspect ended up crashing crashing the vehicle through the lengthy after the uh, lengthy chase so they arrested the carjacker who was 40 year old Rod, Rodney Owens mm. an unemployed career criminal this guy had dis- dishonorable discharge from the military for assaulting his commanding officer mm. He also had numerous warrants for his arrest for aggravated assault assault charges involving his ex-girlfriend. So Owens Owens' ex told police that he had threatened to kill her. Oh. He also told her that he could come up from behind her, put a plastic bag over her, put a plastic bag over her head and watch her die. Oh. And he had recently been stalking her. Come to the hey, I have something out here. Yep. Yep. And she, so she and her co-worker saw him driving a gold-colored Mazda, which was the same as Glenda's car, yep. around the same time she went missing. So he was driving her car to go stalk his ex-girlfriend at work. Whipping her shit around. Yep. It's so, a lot of you dudes that's not serial killers that's riding around in your baby's mom's car right yeah. now, mm-hmm. and you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Talking about, oh, I thought I was going to drive, I thought I was going to drop you off at work today so I could have the car. <laughs> Shots fired. Sorry, continue. So investigators found that Owens once lived in the same apartment complex as Glenda with his mother. Oh wow! So uh, he knew the area. Yeah, <laughs> he might have. Kno- he knew her even. Yeah. yeah. So 
um, the front of his apartment looked directly across at Glenda's apartment. Yo. So after, yeah, you never know who's watching you. <laughs> that tr- that freaks That's me out. Yes, I try not to think about that while I'm like, you know, if I'm sitting on my porch or in the backyard, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, we're out here eating food or whatever. But like, if me and Sierra are in the backyard, like barbecuing or something, we mm-hmm. might be laughing, listening to music. It's like seven houses that have a view of us, mm-hmm. and you never know who might just be like. Yeah. I don't know all the people that live on the behind me. Mm-hmm. One of them might be like, damn, that guy, I'm jealous of him in his, you know, the office t-shirt, you know, like, you know, so that, you know, or like, oh, that girl, she has great calves. I want to eat them. You don't know. You never know who's yeah. like just poking the blinds down and spying on you. Like you having a good time. Yeah. Just... You know, you just having a good time laughing, eating food and somebody's plotting on you. That's scary. I try not to think about it. Yeah. Uh, so after the chase, investigators noticed something else. When the police searched um, the car Owens was driving, they found a bag with a roll of tape, mm. with a roll of tape at brand duct tape. And it isn't a common brand tape, so it was only sold in a handful of stores in the <sighs> Fort Worth area. That's a move. That's yeah. intentional. Yeah. But it was the tape used to uh, buying Glenda. Mm-hmm. It also continued. It also contained a handgun, a hunting knife, some electrical cords that had been tied in knots. So they wondered if any of any of the other items in Owen's bag matched the items they found in the dumpster. Right. So they sent all the items that was in the bag to a forensic lab. Their scientists noticed a similarity in the electric cords. Yep. Same knots, same cords. They also found saliva and fingerprints from the drinking from the from the drink cans. Mm. Using super glue, fuming, and ninhydrin, they found partial fingerprints on the cardboard the cardboard spool of the used duct tape found in the trash. Damn. Yeah, and it was Owen's prints on it. So they found they also found biological evidence from the bath towel that matched um, that looked like it was one of Glenda's bath towels in her apartment. Right. And the bio evidence was semen. And that semen matches the saliva from the drinking cans they wow. found of Rodney Owens. So at this point, they got him. Yeah, I mean, you can't get away with shit these days. Yeah. <laughs> and even this him. guy did way more than yeah. the average killer, and he isn't getting away with this. Yeah. He fucked. I mean, you're going to fuck up. You're going to. It's way too much. And your fuck up maybe 60 years ago, maybe even less time than that, this guy would have been long he gone. He yeah. did enough to get away. Mm-hmm. It's so much technological advances now that you're just even if you think you did the perfect job a fingernail follicle could fall off while mm-hmm. you're doing something. You could drool any anything and they'll there's a machine that can find you. Yeah. It's cra- cameras are everywhere. <laughs> it's just crazy, man. Yeah. So yeah, Rodney Owens was arrested and charged with Glenda Furch's Furch's murder. But now they didn't need but now they needed him to tell where Glenda Glenda's body was. Oh, yeah, damn. Because so, it wasn't hurt by the train tracks. Nope. So while he was in jail, waiting for trial um, for the Glenda murder, he fell victim to boredom. He let his guard down in a conversation with another prisoner. <laughs> he told another inmate that, quote, he knew this lady lived alone. He knew that she worked for GM mm. and worked the late shift. Reduced sentence. He knew. This was funny. Uh-huh. He he knew that she drove a nice car. Now this was in 07. I mean a gold Mazda. A gold Mazda, I mean I mean uh look, 
Shout I'm not to trying to driving a Mazda. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it's all right. You know, what I mean, like, I, you know, nice is relative. You know, nice is relative to somebody who doesn't have a car at all. Yeah, I guess. So true. you know, yeah, you know, shout, hey, shout out to Mazda, man. Yeah. Shout out to Mazda. I mean, I'm not, I'm not hey, like bashing know. them, but hey, I mean, man, I drive a, I drive a Chevy Cobalt, <laughs> so I know about not nice cars. So he said he knew that she drove a nice car, uh-huh. and he was pretty certain that she had money. Based on the, based on the gold Mazda. Yeah, and right. yeah, <laughs> hey, yeah, all right. Yeah, so um, he knew he knew her work schedule and her habits. So mm-hmm. this was all just a you know, when do I plan? Yeah, when, when do, do I, I strike? strike? Bam. And this dude knew that this information that he just told him could get him a reduced sentence. <laughs> So he's yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. no, please tell me more. What, <laughs> what, when, what time did you Wait, do this? Wait, let me get my pad. Yeah, okay, pen, yeah, right. So you, when, you, it was Thursday night, okay. Yep. So he waited till she came home that night after work. He forced Glenda in her apartment with a weapon. He used duct tape and electrical cords to bind her and then sexually assaulted, assaulted her and killed her. Now, that part is kind of just an assumption because they're they have, they're no, there's no body. Oh, they, oh, they never found her body? No. There's no wow. I'm about to get to that now. Okay. So he stole whatever cash and valuables he found that he could find. He uh, he wrapped Glenda's body in a bed sheet and placed her in the car. Where he took the body, they don't know. Nobody knows. And he never said. Nope. Wow. Glenda's daughter stopped to check on her, check on her mother Sunday, that Sunday, uh-huh. right? And Owens returned Saturday night. Yeah. And he so spent that the, he spent the whole night cleaning. So in the time that she went to check on her mom, he had just. To, went somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was in the house with the heat off. Savage. Oh, yeah, then he I came guess. home and was like, it was too, it's not home, not his home, but yeah. he came to the house and was Goddamn like, I need the air conditioning on while I scrub this place bone dry. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't know exactly how she died. But from the evidence, something sexually most likely happened, but they couldn't, they just couldn't prove it. They had nobody. So the defense hung that case on, hey, y'all don't, y'all don't have a body. That's <laughs> y'all don't have this. Y'all don't why have. A is body. There, why is there jizz on her rug? Yeah, you don't have a body, man. I don't know. Right. Maybe they were having an intimate relationship. That's when it gets to the point where I'm like, I don't. Lawyers are disgusting yeah. to me. Yeah. Because I definitely, I'm sure that the lawyers, part of his defense was also like, they were engaged in a sexual relationship together. They had a love affair, and yes, there was ejaculate in the house because he was there often having sex with Glenda. Yeah. You know, and they had to say that in front of this girl's. This woman's Family. kids and yeah. shit like that, and they don't know. They know that's not true, but they can't prove it because she's a very private person. Yep. And the witnesses testified that Glenda would never leave her family, church, and her job just just like that, just up and go. Mm-hmm. But Owens did have a, a motive, and and his motive was he needed money. So this guy had no job. He was living with his mom. Yeah. He he needed loser. Money. Yeah. And his girlfriend didn't want him anymore. So why would she want to scrub? Yeah, that's true. No scrub. Pulling up in somebody else's car. Yeah. So he was convicted of the murder of Glenda Furches and sentenced to life in prison, but was offered a lighter sentence in return he told where he put the body. But he refused. Oh. Yeah. So they offered it to him and he said no. Nope. So what that made it super for the family it's just like it's just yeah, all about just the unknown. That's they just, don't they don't know. That's vindictive because you could have gotten something out of telling and you still didn't tell. Yeah. So that's That's I mean that's really fucking fucked up. Yeah. So he, I'm guessing, to me, what that says to me is he didn't get life. He must have got something he thought he could handle if he didn't take that. 
Oh, you what, mean, what he did his, get life in prison. He got life, he got in, life prison. in prison. Yeah, he got offered a lighter sentence. My thought was that maybe he got twenty five years, and no. he was like, "Nah, I'd rather." I don't know what they'll do if they find the body, so I'm just gonna take the twenty five. They he had got life. They had the evidence. They had all the evidence, but they just nobody. They just couldn't. They had nobody, but it was like, we don't know exactly what he did. But they got evidence that he was there in their apartment. They found semen, and I, they did find. And they found all the the weaponry yeah, and stuff all that, that he uses. Yep. That was at her, in her dumpster. Yeah. So, wow. but so that he, just that just seems just pure vindictive. Like, yeah. Nah, so he's I, just like, I'm not gonna tell you. Yep. That's cold. That's really cold. That's super fucked up. So that that's difficult for the family. Also, they said that if her daughter would have waited one more day to report her missing, that dumpster would have been cleaned out. Yeah. And that'd have been they wouldn't have had anything. N- nothing. They wouldn't have been able to get them on anything. And I bet that that's what he thought. I bet he, you know. Yeah. I bet he didn't bank on them coming so so quick because that, that, that dumpster would have came. That, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Maybe yeah. that dumpster days on like Monday. She came, you know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. But, oh, that's crazy. But what? still, it don't, it's still nobody. It's like that's. That's sad, man. That's that's you don't really get, you don't get as much closure as you want. No. It's like you, it's like you know that he did it, but there's always that in the back of your mind, like. My mom, her spirit isn't at rest, and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's that's pretty fucked up. And then again, they didn't even bring up the body that they found, so I don't know what that was. Yeah, about. I'm sure they didn't just let him off on that. <laughs> I'm sure they came back around to get him. Maybe, yeah, I don't know they what that around. one was he got, about. I would bet he got retried because it's just so consistent with the 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 cords, the, yeah. the knots, and all that kind of stuff. You know, it probably was him too. Yeah, so so that that's probably they probably did get him on that to help out with that Glenda case, but. But for them not to have a body and him not to um, tell is pretty cool. For a, for, for a reward. Yeah, so that was my friend of murder, Rodney Owens. And Glenda... Frunches. Glenda Frunches. That was, that was, that was really good. That's um that's really fucked up. Um, Well, uh... Friend. Time to go. No. <laughs> we back in back. <laughs> we back. We back in business, baby. Um, Are you ready, friend? Sure. All right, cool. Well, let's uh, let's get started. And now it's time for True Crime's hottest game show. Frazzle, friend. Frazzle, friend. Frazzle, friend. Solves a riddle like no one can. If he fails, that's okay. He's a superstar either way. Look out. It's time to Frazzle Fran. That's right, folks. Welcome back to another installment of Frazzle Fran, the game show where I try to frustrate, fluster, and frazzle my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Last week, we had a bit of a hiatus because, to be honest, the true crime mystery riddle genre is very light, and that's being generous. But I put out a call to all the listeners out there, and somebody came through with the riddles on deck. Shout out to Alyssa Turtle. Much love. Fran, are you ready? Yeah. All right. A crime has been committed on Fremont Street. The main suspect is a man named Sean Baker. It was said that a man had been walking along a pathway when he was suddenly shot in the stomach. The suspect had brown hair, blue eyes, and wore a baggy suit, just like Sean Baker. Sean was asked to tell the story right from the beginning. Well, he said... I was just hanging around the park when I saw this man walking along the pathway. 
Suddenly, a guy came up from behind him and shot him. I ran home as fast as I could. The policeman asked him to give a description of the murderer. He had a red mustache, red hair, and a baggy suit. I think this man is telling a lie, said one of the policemen. How did he know? How did he know? Uh, where did he get shot? In the stomach. No, like where? On but, Fremont Street. But you said, okay, read it again. <clears throat> a crime has been committed on Fremont Street. The main suspect is a man named Sean Baker. It was said that a man had been walking along a pathway when he was suddenly shot in the stomach. The suspect had brown hair, blue eyes, and wore a baggy suit, just like Sean Baker's. Sean was asked to tell the story right from the beginning. Well, he said, I was just hanging around the park when I saw this man walking along a pathway. Suddenly, a guy came up from behind him and shot him. I ran home as fast as I could. The policeman asked him to give a description of the murderer. He had a red mustache, red hair, and a baggy suit. I think this man is lying, said one of the policemen. How did he know? He said, what, who, he think who's lying? The policeman thinks Sean is lying about his recounting of the story of how that man, what he saw. Yeah, I think he's lying too. Why? How you get shot in the stomach from the back? Bam! God damn you! God damn you! God damn you! <laughs> I'm out here. Well I'm played. out here. Well played, I'm out friend. here. Well played, friend. Well played, friend. Wow. 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 That was a wordy one, and I did not expect you to hey, get man, it. Hey, man, how many weeks, many weeks we in, man? Uh, this I'm, is I'm about, catching on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, you studied that. <laughs> you took it in. You analyzed it, and you spit out the right answer. That is correct. Sean, you are a liar, and you're storytelling. How can a man be shot in the stomach from behind, you idiot? Fran, you have not been frazzled this week. Uh, you are Your belt has been retained, unlike that of Conor McGregor's, who took that whooping last night from Khabib. Yep. M -m 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 Graykoff. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yes, you are once again have not been frazzled. Congratulations to you. Um, before we go... And before I, you know, throw it to Fran to send us off as, you know, as the custom when he wins, uh, I wanted to give a little bit of announcement to folks because, you know, it is it is October, which means it's a new month, which means another serial and serial. I wanted to give an announcement. Um, we will be officially joined from now on. Our third co-host of the Serial and Serial bonus podcast will be the lovely Sierra, Sierra Fath, who accompanied us last month and did such a great job. It was such uh, we we both had a really good time and it just was a different energy and we got great feedback from that episode and still the most downloaded serial and serial that we've done uh, that we had a talk and we decided let's just keep it going. So uh, we now have a third leg on the serial and serial podcast starting this month. It will be uh, the three of us uh, watching cereal while eating cereal. And uh, so that's the announcement I wanted to make. Fran, I'll throw it to you to, you know, say what you need to say as the, you know. Yeah. So winner, winner. first of all. Y'all gonna be sending in riddles. Y'all gonna, gonna have to make them tougher than that. That was easy. Wow. That was wow. Cocky. That was barbecue chicken right there. Oh, wow. That was, that was way too easy. Very cocky. Okay. But that was another episode of Affirmative Murder. Joined by great host Alvin Williams and the best goals of all time, France Elevens. Catch y'all next time. Later, deuces.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 